Hi, everybody. I'm Tony, and I am an alcoholic. Um, that was the most important part, getting that right. So, uh, a lot of things has happened already this morning. Uh, Angie helped me uh, with a few tips. My daughter said, "Don't lock your knees. You can pass out." Uh, so, a lot of good things have already happened. Uh, my sponsor said he wouldn't miss this uh, for the world, but uh, you know, evidently, uh, kidney dialysis comes first, <laughs> So, uh, but he said he'd be here later. Uh, I would like to say the last time he missed me giving my lead, uh, I told him it was okay, maybe he'd hear it again, and he said, oh, sure, yeah, I got you another gig in two weeks, so <laughs> I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, because uh, I'll be honest, I, I get a little nervous, uh, and I know this is uh, my story. I should know it very well, and I do. Uh, It's the uh, people (laughs) hearing it, uh, which may give me a little angst. But uh, uh, I am very happy to be here today. Um, I want to thank Sam for asking me to do this. And I also want to say that last night was a wonderful, wonderful meal. Uh, Linda, I believe they said, orchestrated that, and that was just awesome. Uh, And my wife enjoyed that also. So we had a good time. Uh, and I got some a nice gift basket with chocolate and cookies and uh, the popcorn and the water I didn't touch, but the cookies and the uh, chocolate I did last night. You know, I went to bed a little late, but uh, I would like to start out and say that I was born to Donna and Earl uh, Jimmy Gilbert Manley. Uh, and the reason I tell you my father's full name is because I almost became junior. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I was born into what may be a little bit of chaos in itself. Uh, my mother had been married before. Uh, over my history, my mother has been married seven times. So I won't mention all of them, but... Uh, uh, there was a lot going on. When I came into the world, uh, my stepfather was in prison. Uh, uh, my mother met my father. Uh, you know, along came Tony. And I was just born into, what well, well, craziness, I guess. Uh, but it was the way it was supposed to be. Uh, when my stepfather got out of prison, my mother and my father got divorced for some reason. <laughs> um I guess my stepfather came back and claimed what was his. Uh, you know, and uh, my stepfather was a, a good man. He, I believe, was alcoholic. He uh, struggled um, through his life with it. Um, we had an on-and-off relationship uh, throughout our years, but, uh, you know, I have the program to thank for a good finish. But uh, uh, my real father, uh, got visitation on the weekends, um, um, and I don't really remember much of that at all. I really don't. At age seven, he decided he was moving back to his home state of Arkansas, and he did that. Uh, so I was uh, fatherless. <laughs> uh, you know, I had a stepfather, but I had uh, not that biological father in my life. He... Uh, Wanted nothing to do with me, I believe, and he left. Um, you know, so I was raised by my mother and my stepfather. 
uh, who was, he was an alcoholic and, you know, my mother may have drank too much at times. Uh, I uh, was able to <clears throat> be involved in my first DUI <laughs> before I was 10 because of my mother. My mother got a DUI uh, and uh, I can remember her, we were in the car with her and she told us to lock all the doors because the police weren't getting her car. And so, you know, it's good obedient kids. I don't know if we were good. We locked all the doors. Um, you know, and I can remember sitting at the police station, the policeman being real nice, saying, you know, would you like some pop or candy? And and I was kind of bitter that we were there. But my uh, younger sister was like, sure. you know. Uh, so she got pop and candy. Uh, you know, the part about that was when my mom got out of jail, came home, I told her that good parents don't do that. Uh, I don't know how I knew that because the relationship I had had up till then was kind of chaotic. So, But uh, that would be a message that would soon haunt me in a few years. But uh, uh, we, uh, we did fine for a while. My mother basically gave up drinking uh, for that, that purpose, I believe. But uh, I, uh, I had a spiritual experience around the age of 12. And it wasn't the good kind. I, my grandmother took us to church. Uh, my mother's, uh, my mother did not care to take us, so my grandmother did that work. Took us to Sunday school, and you know I learned those morals. Um, but we, uh, at the age of twelve, I had a spiritual experience was which was the negative kind. We were at friends, which my mom dropped us off quite often. We'd stay there, and. Uh, they had some other friends over, and this young girl, uh, three or four, had an issue uh, where she couldn't breathe. The grown-ups were panicking. Uh, they called the ambulance, uh, and I and I went to a, the field. They had a field by their house, and I went and I prayed. You know, dropped to my knees and I prayed. Um, I tried to say the prayer. It was, Lord, help this girl live. And take me in her place. You know. So, uh, it came through that this girl was fine. The ambulance got there. They revived her. Did everything they could. Um, but here I was. You know. God did his part. You know. So, it was like, okay. You know. Uh, and I say it was a, a bad spiritual experience because <clears throat> I left that experience with... <laughs> Being unwanted by God. So, uh, that relationship severed. I didn't need that anymore. Um, so, I had a father who didn't want me. I had a God who didn't want me. Um, so, uh, there, that's over. I got that out. Thank you. <coughs> um, so, moving on from there, uh, I would become a teenager. <laughs> uh, and... Start doing things with friends and uh, uh, fun things. Uh, at the age of uh, 15, my sister used to, my older sister used to take us to parties <laughs> with her. Uh, she, she was uh, three years older, so she'd take us to parties, me and my younger sister, while she was supposed to be babysitting. Uh, hey, you got to have a little fun while you're baby. You get paid and do. <laughs> um, so we go to these parties, and I can remember. Uh, 
this is my pop and candy story. I told my sister, you know, we want some pop and candy, and if you don't get it for us, we're going to tell mom what you're doing. And uh, so she darted out. Well, she darted out and got us some. And, but that was my first party, and uh, I don't know. They just let us sit there, watch TV, eat pop and candy while they partied, and uh, it was kind of a. It's kind of strange now to think about that, but uh, I can remember on the way home, I asked my sister what beer tasted like. And she was drinking and driving. And she said, here, try it. So I took a sip, and it was nasty. And I mean nasty. I was like, ah, you know, how, do, how can you do that? Uh, by the time, you know, that my sister ended up moving out. And before I turned 16, my sister got her own place, threw a party, invited me. Uh, so I went, of course. And, uh, you know, this was my first party. This was my first party. Uh, that I was drinking at, and uh, I had seven beers, you know, my best friend was there, and he had seven beers, and he was just, oh, heaving his guts up, and I can remember in the bathroom, patting him on the back, saying, oh, it's okay, I heard this happens, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, and I'll be honest, you know, 15-year-old, my sister's, you know, friends were older than her, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, I'm getting lucky, <laughs> you know, and uh, I assume that uh, older girls look at 15-year-old boys and go, yeah, right, <laughs> so, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was that, that was, um, so that was my first experience with alcohol, uh, per se, drinking like that, my best friend, uh, my career went kind of quick, uh, I can remember going to my best friend's house, they were having a wedding, And uh, his mother didn't drink. And she was having us test their punch. It was uh, rum and coke. You know, she had a big picture of it. And she was having me and my best friend test this. Here, you boys try this. See if it's good. And I would say, well, I don't think it's strong enough. And he'd say, I think it's too strong. And we'd just go back and forth. And, and, you know, I don't know if this uh, set the tone, but she said, you guys cannot drink any of this during the wedding. None. But if there's any left over, you guys can have it. Whoo! That was all right. Um, And there evidently must not have been very many drinkers there because we ended up both with uh, the half-gallon milk jugs. And each. And we... After that, we went to his basement, and we got liquored up down there. But that was his parents saying it was okay. Mind you, I haven't told my mother I'm drinking. (laughs) Uh, At 16, uh, the day after the prom, I went to the junior prom, uh, and I bought a case of beer. I thought, I'll I'll probably need this for that night. And never drank it that night, and I'm not sure why. But uh, the next day, I sure did. That next day was, uh, that would be one to remember. Uh, I sat with some friends, and I, and I, me and my friends were hanging out with people who were in the 30s. Had a house, you know, we did a lot of crazy stuff there. Uh, and they seemed to be okay with us hanging around and drinking like we drank. Uh, uh, and it was fine. But I sat there, and this 30-some-year-old guy says, uh, I'll bet I can outdrink you. Oh, you know, challenge. So I'm sitting on a case of beer, and I don't ever remember finishing it. 
I was told I finished it. I was also told that I smoked some pot out of a bong and ended up drinking the ashes out of it. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness they had to tell me about that part. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess in Goshen, there's, there used to be cruising. I don't know if anybody here had ever been there, but uh, there was cruising. And so I, evidently we went cruising. And uh, I was in a good blackout. I didn't know anything. My friend said, I just sat there so calm in the back seat. We just drove around. And when we got back to our friend's house, the 30-something friends, I jumped out of the car and took off running. Just took off running. So they jumped back in the car and they followed me. And I ran a block and a half and they found me in some bushes. And they said, what are you doing? I said, they're looking for me. They're looking for me. And they said, get in the car. And I said, uh, I can't, I can't. Uh, so in Goshen, they have the overpass, and it wasn't built at that time. It just had this dirt mound. And uh, I guess I just took off running. I sprinted up and over it, and we had yet another friend that lived on the other side, directly on the other side. And I knocked on the door, and my friend's father came to the door, and he said, Tony, what are you doing here? He says, I said, is uh, Rodney here? He said, yeah, Rodney's here. He's in bed. I said, can I talk to him? No, no, you can't. And I said, oh, I was hoping to introduce him to my friends. <laughs> and he said, really? And I went back and I got this story from Joe was his name. And he told me, he said, you were just flat out crazy. And uh, I had no one with me, but I introduced them, talked to them. Uh, and then he said, uh, he said, and then you turned, ran, and leaped over his hedges. Now, mind you, I was probably this size then. And he said, I've never seen a fat boy jump that high. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Uh, I would go on uh, throughout the community there. Um, my friends did find me. Uh, they tried to get me in the car. They couldn't. They were smaller than me. There was, you know, there was no... Uh, reason to even think they could get me in the car but I told them I do remember this you know I don't know if everybody's had this blackout but you have like spurts that you remember pieces and it's like you know trying to piece them together was kind of strange but they're trying to get me in the car and I remember saying I need to save these people <laughs> there's a tornado coming they don't know it <clears throat> it had been raining <laughs> but but I heard I heard no alarm. <clears throat> but uh so I uh sprinted down the street again. Um so they gave up they, they my friends went for reinforcements because they knew they couldn't get me in the car by themselves. Um so like a good citizen that I am, I went down the street, breaking people's windows out, screaming in the windows, there's a tornado, take shelter. <laughs> yeah, you know, you try to save people, they just don't care. You know. <laughs> bitter, bitter people. <clears throat> I did this to a few homes. Um, you know, I uh, ended up passing out in someone's backyard. Um, which uh, they they wouldn't have found me. The policeman said they wouldn't have found me if I wouldn't have been moaning. 
you know, and I and I had uh, I had quite a few lacerations from breaking out all the windows. I used my hands, you know. I'm a smart drunk, you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, they found me. I remember in and out. I don't. I remember breaking a few windows, but you know, uh, I can I can remember actually believing there was a tornado coming. You know, you you. I was just messed up. Uh, the next thing I remember is a flash in the hospital. I'm in the hospital, policemen, doctors, nurses trying to hold me down, you know, and I had no clue what was going on. And I just wanted to leave. Um, you know, now the next snippet that I remember is a door opens, a light comes on, I look, and there's food on the floor. It's like, wow. So I get up, I eat the food. <laughs> Turns out I'm in jail. Uh, juvenile but I uh, get up I eat the food I put the tray back I lay down next thing I know door opens there's food on the floor and the lights back on it's like okay so I get up and I eat again I lay down next thing I know there's a third tray of food and I'm like man this is crazy um, I just keep going through all these food things boom 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 well the next morning same thing happens but this time after I'm done eating the guard comes in and says you can't stay in here anymore you got to come out and you know at this point this is the first time I've seen somebody I hadn't seen anybody it was just I seen food and uh, I've never passed up food by the way so <laughs> um, so I came out and found out I was in a juvenile detention and uh, uh, you know they had rules there I couldn't talk to females there was no other males. I was like, man. So here I am isolated. And uh, so they said, well, you have to start school work and things like that. Um, amazingly, uh, uh, I, was, I wasn't in there very long. I total three days, but I went to court. And uh, I can remember standing in front of a judge. And uh, my mother came. Uh, I can remember not figuring out the answer. But the judge asked the question, posed this question. Uh, Donna, do you believe you can control your son? And my mother pondered that question. <laughs> you know, and I, you know, turned and looked and I thought, why are you waiting? You know, and uh, she said she thought so. Um, so before this had happened, me and the judge sort of went around. Uh, she was a nice lady. <laughs> Her name was Ogle Stickle in Goshen. She was, uh, she 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 said, you know, you're on your way to boys' school, and I said, good. I don't. I didn't want to go to boys' school. I was scared to death when she said it, but you know, I couldn't show fear. This woman leapt out of her chair <laughs> and just screaming at me, and uh, you know, it was amazing. I had a lawyer who really she did uh, me good. Uh, she got me out of a little bit because I couldn't remember a little bit of it. Uh, and it, that played a big part in my life. Uh, but she got me through that. Um, I don't mean to tell all that, but uh, there's a good reason. But uh, So anyhow, I am now on probation, uh, house arrest of all things back in the day. I don't even know if they had ankle bracelets back then, but I didn't have one. I, I had to go to school to work or be with my mother. And I said, I went to work and said, please, just give me all the hours you can. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, she was kind of bitter. Uh, 
But uh, when she picked me up at the jail, we, it was the strangest thing. I, I got dressed in my civvies, I guess. It was a dress shirt uh, covered in blood and grass-stained and mud. And when I walked out, one of the girls that was in there, her mother was standing there too, and my mother threw her arm around me and said, This is my son. He, you know, that, that, and she just went, you know, and it was like, man, she's pretty cool about this. Um, but when she got me to the car, uh, yeah, I won't use choice words. Uh, she really, she really gave them to me. My mom could have been a trucker, other than she didn't drive. <laughs> other than she didn't drive, she could have been a trucker. Uh, she 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 called me a few words and said a few things and brought up this how dare you tell me a good parent doesn't do this and you do that so uh, you know that was a hard hit for me but uh, uh, I, I quit drinking I was done I didn't want to do it anymore I got in a lot of trouble I went to school. Uh, this is where that myth becomes, you know, reality. People are like, hey, aren't you in jail three days? Yeah. That is awesome. All of a sudden, instead of being like this, I'm like, whoa. You know, I wasn't real popular. I wasn't popular at all. But uh, we were talking last night. I'm not sure how my friends and me would have been classified. White trash or somewhere in there might have been a thing. But, uh, you know, we were... We were a good clique, but uh, being, re- you know, now I had this reputation, and uh, but I, I wasn't going to drink for a while. I, I, I really didn't think I was going to drink again, and my friends picked me up one night. We went to a party, and honest to goodness, we went there, and I said no. I said no. I said no. I said, what are you guys doing? They're saying, oh, we're playing quarters. And I said, oh, I've never done that. Ta-da. I drank again. Uh, it would be a, a, a poor night to uh, do that. Uh, they took me home. I was in a terrible state again. They took me home, dropped me off. Still on probation. Uh, they were good friends, though. I will say they beat the hell out of me that night. That's what good friends do to drunks. Uh, I uh, We got into an argument. The friend that was driving said his car could outrun my car. You know, that that couldn't happen. So when I got home, I said, "I'm gonna get my keys. We're gonna prove this." And uh, so when they said I couldn't drive, I got angry and I went back in and uh, I got a knife. Now, you would think I was going after my friends. Eh, I wasn't. I was gonna get, show them a lesson. And I went out and I took this stupid knife. Good thing we weren't rich because we might have had sharp knives. We <laughs> we were poor, so they were all dull. And I and I said, "Oh yeah, you know." And I gave some little speech and sort of plunged it. You know, probably looked great, but just a little slivered the next morning. Uh, my friends tackled me. Oh boy, the day ever. Now one friend was a little older and had been to prison, and uh, he had a hold of my gender. <laughs> saying uh, this I don't know why this doesn't work it worked in prison <laughs> and uh, but I, I was feeling no pain I wasn't feeling any pain well 
so they put me to bed. They actually took me in and they put me to bed. And when they thought I was comfortably uh, ready to fall asleep, they left me. And, and it was fine. Uh, reality set in of what I'd just done with my friends. Uh, and I thought about taking my own life. So here I am. You know, my arms are fairly scratched up from my last episode because I had stitches. So I'm, I'm, I now have a... Uh, Stanley knife blade, and I'm I'm scratching my arm, thinking I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Uh, just for the reason that I didn't want to face them again, and uh, you know, it didn't happen. I end up with a lot of scratches, and one friend said, "What happened to you?" And I said, "Oh, it must have happened last night when we were wrestling around." And he says, "I don't think so. You know, I lied my way through it." And I said, "I had to have. How else would I have gotten it?" So. You know, good times. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, I I ended up getting in some more trouble while being on probation. Uh, I had gotten into a fight that I shouldn't have been in. Some kid that I never met because I was in a blackout at a girl I was dating. I, I was dating an older girl who had a place, and I was at her house, and I was in another blackout. Typically, that's what I drank for. So I was in this blackout, and I met this guy. I never met him. You know, it's one of those stories. But he said, uh, he called me Joe Cool. Infuriated me. (laughs) Joe Cool. You know, when I said Joe Cool about certain guys, it was a bad thing. So now I've been placed in a bad situation where somebody would call me that. So uh, one night cruising, uh, his girlfriend had asked me to talk to him about him dating somebody else or something so but I had a different agenda <laughs> uh, and I ended up uh, hurting this young man and uh, he uh, it could have been very serious it, well it was for him it could have been very serious for me I he went blind in his eye for a week uh, I damaged his car I had to make restitution for those things uh, but I swore I would never apologize to him you know, um, I'm hoping to run across him today, but not a good moment. So anyhow, um, being in trouble for that again, I got in deeper. Now I needed a job. I had to get a job to pay for this stuff, and uh, uh, those may be out of order. I guess I got in trouble with this guy before I... Uh, did the other things, but uh, I had to get a job to pay restitution, and that's where I met my wife. Uh, when I met my wife, I was not drinking. I was done again. Uh, I wasn't even 17. Well, I guess I was 17. I'd quit so many times already. Uh, but at Christmas, I asked my wife to go to the Christmas party with me, and she said yes. Uh, so we went to the Christmas party, and you know, one of the guys was buying drinks, and I wasn't drinking that night. I just wasn't going to do it. And uh, my before wife had a few drinks, and I drove her home. And, you know, it didn't really click with me. Uh, she was hot, but uh, good thing I had a few morals, <laughs> you know. Uh, but I dropped her off, and, uh, you know, the story really begins, I guess, when me and my wife got married. Uh, well, before we started going out and drinking, sort of, we met in 
we started going out in Maine and got married in October, so it was, you know, we courted a long time. Uh, I drank very heavy. I guess I didn't know how heavy I drank. We went to drive-in movies together. I'd pick her up, and I'd get a bottle of Jack Daniels, and we'd split it. Well, I thought it was even split. She tells me, you know, years later it was never even split. But I was always the one driving, so uh, that was kind of a scary thing to learn. Um, my wife's parents didn't really care for me. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, you know, I'm the guy that threw up on their steps, never cleaned it up. You know, come and went, late hours, uh, you know. Uh, so when I proposed to my wife, uh, that was a mere two months after we started dating, uh, you know, her parents tried to talk her out of it, said I, I would be able, I would never give her anything, you know, it w- wouldn't work, uh, you know, I will say one of my biggest problems was that my wife had dated a uh, young man who turns out to be very successful, uh, dentist, uh, my family gave him a lot of business. My sisters and my grandmother, you know, live that one down. <clears throat> Keep making him rich. Uh, you know, but uh, that was hard for me, you know. Uh, her parents said I'd never be able to give her anything. The ex-boyfriend, you know. Uh, I struggle with that. The great story is that he started working with us at Augsburgers, and I liked the guy. We started working together, and we're, you know, I'm talking to him, and uh, she comes to me and says, I I need to tell you something. My ex-boyfriend's been calling me. I'm I'm enraged. Who is he? Well, you've been working with him. (laughs) Uh, And he was, I don't know, 6'4", good-sized guy. Uh, I haven't shrank, so I was about this size. And I immediately went to him at work and told him what I would do to him. If he didn't quit calling, you know, uh, I had somebody that loved me. I wasn't going to lose that. So uh, we got that worked out. We got it ironed out. That would still be a ghost for many years. Uh, But uh, moving on, you know, me and my wife got married. Her parents did not come to the wedding. Uh, They liked me that much. (laughs) I begged them. I begged them to come to the reception. And they did. So uh, that was something. It took two years. A lot of lawn mowing, breaking leaves. (laughs) You know, I did whatever they wanted, you know. And, you know, they accept me today. They they accept me back then after about two years. Uh, You know, I think... Giving them grandkids helps. I think that cuts through some ice. But uh, we didn't have kids right off the bat because, you know, I think it would have interfered with me, you know. And uh, my wife, we talked about waiting five years. Well, it, it ended up being three. Um, my wife's due date was uh, in June. Uh, we went to a wedding reception. Uh, it was her aunt's wedding, and my wife asked me, please, please, do not drink too much. So we settled on a number. I said, uh, 12. Stop me at 12. <laughs> she said, okay. Okay, I'll stop you at 12. Does that seem like a high number to you? It evidently didn't to us. Uh, so uh, 
I started drinking. Uh, that night turned sour, too. There was a pattern with my drinking. Uh, we ended up leaving. We rode with my in-laws, of all people. You know, my daughter is, or my wife is uh, nine months pregnant. She went over. She went over with my daughter. Uh, and this was the 14th or so. So uh, I get, I'm getting hammered. My wife's huge, you know. So on the way out, I asked my father-in-law to time me because I wanted to run around the building, and I wanted him to time me to see how fast I was. <laughs> I got the body of a sprinter. <clears throat> so I run around the building. I come back and said, how'd I do? And he goes, oh, yeah, you did real good. I went, what was the time? You know, of course he didn't do it. I said, come on, Bob, time me. So uh, I take off running. Well, this time, people had moved out the back door, and there's trash cans and stuff all of a sudden. And wham, I hit those, and I come back around, and I said, how'd they do, Bob? And he gave me the time. And so he said, can we go? And I said, sure. For some reason, we stopped at the gas station. And uh, things are foggy there, but... Uh, I needed a, my wife asked me to get her a soda, and I went to get a soda out of the pot machine. Uh, this is that Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I went to the pot machine. I was okay. I pushed the wrong button. I pushed the wrong button. Got the wrong soda. Uh, this may be a reason why they changed the plastic, but it would come out glass bottle. <laughs> and I was so mad. It was the wrong one, and I threw it down. And uh, the manager came out. And uh, I was screaming and yelling, you know. And uh, he made some comment that he'd get me one or, you know. So then I felt sorry for doing it. So I gave him, I wanted to give him $20. And that's all we had. My wife's crying and screaming. That's our last $20. Don't give it away. And please don't take it. And he said, all right, but I'm going to call the police. So now they got to wrangle me into the car. My pregnant wife, my, what, then 10-year-old nephew, or brother-in-law and my in-laws wrestled me into the car and away we go so we get down the road about a mile uh in syracuse and uh the, i don't know if anybody knows where the sleepy owl is but uh, uh there's a place to sleep across the street which isn't real good but it's a ditch <laughs> we're driving down the road and i decide i need to get out of this family you people you know and i said a lot of bad things and I opened the door and I'm going to get out speed limit was 55 then they did lower it to 50 I may have had something to do with that I don't know <laughs> plastic plastic and speed limits I may be involved in all this so uh, at 55 I've got my door open got my pregnant wife hanging on to me my 10 year old brother-in-law hanging on to me screaming my wife yelling dad stop the car and my father-in-law saying let him jump <laughs> <laughs> True story. Let him jump. I love him to pieces today. He's, he's a good guy. Let him jump. So he does stop. It's pitch black out. I take off running, and I jump down the ditch. They made a small attempt. And I'm sure my father-in-law may have gave some other words like, Maybe he's not worth finding. I don't know. I don't know that for true. I don't know that. And I've never asked that part of the story, but I should. So anyhow, I'm in a ditch. I end up passing out. I wake up. I have a few thousand mosquito bites when I wake up. 
you know, and, and being young and dumb, and I really thought I was going to get malaria because I had so many mosquito bites. But anyhow, I have to walk back to town now. It's daylight. It's morning. So I have to walk back to town, and I'm limping. I don't know why I'm limping, but I'm limping. I've only got one shoe on. <laughs> I make it all the way to town. I call my wife, and I said, can you please come and get me? And she said, yes. So she came and got me. She said, where's your shoe? I don't know. I don't know where it is. I could have lost it anywhere. I, you know, I had no idea. So we drove back to the scene of the sleepover. <laughs> and uh, you could see where my body had pressed down all the grass, and my shoe was right in the middle of it. So, <laughs> you know, I found my shoe. The sad thing is, is my wife was due. You know, she needed me. And I was doing crazy stuff like that. She could have had our baby that night. You know, stress can cause labor. You know, I wouldn't have been there. So uh, God, God gave me a good gift. You know, two weeks later, my daughter was born. Uh, I was tickled pink. Uh, you know, I thought I was going to ch- change my life. A uh, little bit of freedom. My daughter was about eight, nine months old. We went to a wedding. Oh, I love weddings, don't I? <clears throat> so we went to this wedding. Um, I'm sure my wife gave me the warning again. Please, you know, don't do anything crazy. Okay. So uh, I drank and I drank. And uh, these were people from work. We both knew them. And my wife uh, said, let's go. We need to pick up our daughter. I said, Okay. I can't even imagine what I could have blown that night. I was drunk when we left that party. But I drove again. I drove. You know, I must have been a great driver. But I drove, picked our daughter up with my wife, put, put her in the car seat. We drove 30 miles from the party to our house. And uh, when we got home, I said, okay, I'm going back. Oh, I said, what? I said, I'm going back. Uh, and I left. I'm not... I'm real fuzzy on that in between. I mean, I'm sure there's some choice words there. So I drive all the way back to this party, and they're closing it up. (laughs) I said, what are you guys doing? Uh, But anyhow, I I would end up, that night would be another great night in my life. I I got there. I had maybe two beers there. I came back to Syracuse, went to my cousin's house, who husband I knew drank. So I woke him up, and this is, you know getting late and she said Tony you have to leave he's got to work and I was like oh, okay so my own cousins tell me I have to go so I go from there well I had hit a bar in between there so it was probably real late so I went to Goshen hit another bar and uh, did my thing there and on the way of leaving there uh, I got down the road about a block and, and I will be honest I don't know if this was accidental or on purpose, but I left the road. I hit two poles in Goshen, uh, and that one of the poles I clipped and it fell over. And of course, I had to. It was a car lot dealership, so it fell and hit five cars. So not only did I ruin my car, I hit five other cars. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, so I tried to start my car, and uh, it wouldn't start. I thought, well, I'll put the seat back and I'll wait. Someone will find me. <laughs> so I put the seat back and I go to sleep. And the policeman comes to the window, which is now broke out behind me. 
you know, I'm laying here, and he says, sir, are you okay? You know, probably, it looks like I'm dead, you know, this car. And I said, yeah. And he goes, could you check for broken bones? And I'm like, broken bones? And he said, please, just check, just humor me. And I, I remember checking, I was like, hey, I'm good. And he goes, can you get out of the vehicle? Yeah. So I get out, and he says, will you do me a favor? Will you check for broken bones again? I was dumbfounded. Why would I be checking for broken bones? So I check again, and he says, do you think I could put some cuffs on you? Sure. You know, this guy, this guy was polite. This, and I'm not kidding. Uh, so, so he put cuffs on me, he put me in the car. Uh, you know, I was good with all this, you know. And he took me to jail. Uh, end up going to county. Well, they're not, they weren't as nice there, you know. <laughs> they were. And then I was really getting kind of irritated and belligerent and, you know. Uh, <clears throat> well, I showed them, I, I threw up in their sanitation shower. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they like that. <clears throat> but uh, it was, uh, uh, I can remember afterwards my wife telling me that she called around for help to get me uh, out of jail and uh, she called my mother and my mother said I won't help you uh, so, so my wife scrounged up the hundred dollars to get me out uh, and uh, so I, I got to go home so here I am in trouble uh, again uh, my daughter's <laughs> nine months old at the most uh, so now uh, 1988 and I go into a I need to go for a treatment. I need to go for assessment. So I go in, a, a great guy by the name of JNN. Uh, I sat across the table from him, and uh, he gave me my evaluation. And I sat there, and I can remember lying. I lied. Uh, and the funny part was, was when it got to blackouts, I thought, I had so many that it had to be normal. It just had to be. So I answered, yes, you know, always have those. And uh, he told me I failed. I had no license at this time, but he told me I failed. And it honestly hit me hard because I lied on this test, and I failed. <laughs> so I walk out of there, and I'm just walking down the street in a daze, you know. Uh, and I hear a horn honking, just honk, 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 honk. And I'm just walking, and it's my wife. I'm walking right by our vehicle. She's honking. Um, I would like to back up about the car that I wrecked. It was, uh, we went uh, to pick up the car seat out of that because, of course, we needed it. Uh, but we walked into the impound lot, and uh, the guy walks us back. And I said, boy, that escort sure is effed up. And the, the guy turns and looks at me and says, that's your car. <laughs> and I kid you not, the hood was up past the windshield. You could not see past the windshield. The side where the pole hit was just smashed in. The car was just sort of crumpled. And my wife immediately started crying. And, uh, you know, so that's why he was asking, do you have any broken bones? Um, so, uh, uh, I mean, I get to go to treatment. Great people, you know. Boy, I fit in really good. I really did. I fit in, and it went great, you know. I felt good, you know. I uh, had to go to meetings, so I was going to uh, three treatments and two AAs a week, and all of a sudden I'm gone five nights a week. And my wife's like, this is just insane. You know, you're gone too much. And uh, I said, yeah, you know, but these people were nice, you know. They all liked me. 
And uh, so uh, it, it really went good. I started, uh, started going to AA. I went clear to Bristol. Don't ask me why. But I went clear to Bristol from Goshen. Probably that thing where I didn't want anybody to know I was sober. Um, and uh, <laughs> so it was, it was, uh, it was a good uh, stretch. And I, and I did go to Goshen meetings. Uh, met some good people. Um, I got a sponsor while in Bristol. Uh, Bob Kay. Uh, started working the steps. Uh, you know, and I was probably about two years sober when a guy came up to me and said, Will you be my sponsor? I was dumbfounded. Uh, I told him no. But I'll help you find somebody. Uh, two years sober. Uh, and, and his name was Dave. Muscular guy. I can still remember him. Jeez, muscular, big, stocky guy. And uh, I couldn't do it, you know. A fear ran through me. Sponsor you. I hope he's alive today. <clears throat> So, uh, Bob Kay was my sponsor. We started going through the steps. Uh, he was a pretty cut-and-dry guy, you know. Um, we're working through the steps. I, I do believe, I, about three years, I was looking for an out, I believe. You know, I was happy at AA. I went there once a week, come out of there feeling good, all charged up, ready to go back by the next one, but, you know, once a week. And But Bob had said to me, if your wife doesn't like what you're doing, you need to get rid of her. I know what he said. I, today I know what he meant. Uh, my wife stuck through a lot with me. That's what I said. But this is where I think I was looking for the out. My wife stuck through all this. She helped me out. I don't need this. Uh, so I decided I could do it on my own. And uh, so I didn't go back to AA. Three years I did meetings. Uh, so I left. No goodbye. I didn't, you know, I just left. Uh, my wife's uncle had been in AA for quite a few years, and every time we ran into each other, you know, are you drunk yet? You know, you thinking about drinking? Are you? <laughs> he had nothing I wanted. Uh, so now that I'm drinking again, we go to a family function. Here he comes. You drunk? Yeah. And I was like, oh. I blew his hair back big time. I used choice words again, upset my wife. You know, why would you talk to him that way? Uh, you know, today we have a much better relationship, thank God, uh, uh, me and him. Uh, but I, I, I can remember being so happy that I could tell him I wasn't sober, you know. Um, that's fine. That was crazy. Um, so here we are, uh, I'm sober six years, not sober, dry drunk. My wife would ask me after I get sober again, do you know what a dry drunk is? <laughs> uh, you know, I was a miserable, miserable person inside, and I'm sure my family felt the effects of that person. Um, but 4th of July was coming up, we did a lot of camping, and I said, uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm an alcoholic. Do you think I could drink again? And my wife said, I've thought about that myself. Yeah. Where? I had her. I had her. And I said, I, I was thinking maybe on the 4th I could take some beer, you know, to campgrounds. And she said, sure. But here was the agreement. 
No hard liquor. I can do that. No hard liquor. Um, I couldn't do that. Uh, I drank. I liked it. I, I was on a bowling team. Uh, I was president of my league. Uh, you know, started drinking with the boys, having a good time. We drank. Uh, when my wife didn't go to the bowling alley with me, I'd have six beers and six shots. I wouldn't start until after the first game because I knew if I drank before that, I'd bowl terrible. But I could drink that much in the last two and then go home. And I'd get home. My wife said, how much do you have to drink? Six beers. Oh, okay. Well, you know, she didn't know six beers and six shots from six beers. I mean, I just... So, uh, this being my stomping grounds, uh, one Thanksgiving weekend, uh, I was at home alone. My wife and kids went to the store. Uh, we had a bottle of whiskey on the refrigerator. Uh, my wife had found out I was drinking hard liquor at the bowling alley by some guy who was new and told her the story. And, uh, so here I am, my secret's out. And, uh, so it was okay. I told her I'd make money. I make money. I should be able to drink what I want. So I started drinking it hard stuff all the time. But yeah, we had this bottle, full bottle, on top of the refrigerator. They left, and a movie came on, Mr. Destiny. It's about a guy who doesn't like how his life turned out, wished it could be different, and so his wish is that it would be different. So anyhow, I'm drinking this. It starts out, I go to the bottle, take a sip, come back, I finish the whole thing. So by the time my wife and kids get home, I'm this crazed lunatic in my home, uh, mind you, I'm supposed to be the protector, and now I'm the person I need protected from. They were huddled on the couch in fear of me, a crazed lunatic, screaming obscenities at my wife, my 10 and 8-year-old. My wife did the best she could. She just said, you need to leave. You need to leave. Go. Uh, so I left. Um, I grabbed my work stuff. I was going to, you know, drive to work and sleep there all night. But uh, I ended up going to a bar and then to the bowling alley. Uh, I'm at the bowling alley just a few minutes. I had a, a beer, and the bartender wouldn't serve me anymore. So, of course, I punch him because, you know, that's his job to serve people. <clears throat> so I said I was leaving So I, as I'm going out. This man probably saved me a lot of grief. He talked me back into the bowling alley. He said, please don't leave. Please don't. So I went back in. When I got inside, there was policemen. <laughs> well, they got there quick. <clears throat> so uh, they said, what's going on? And they said, uh, the bartender said, well, he has been causing a ruckus. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm the bartender, and he's causing a ruckus. <laughs> and uh, they didn't believe that story. Uh, so I had to come up with something new. So I turned and I said, I'm George Bush, the president, and you cannot arrest me. They were Democrats. <laughs> I got, I got it good. Uh, what, I, what I'm thankful for is when I was tackled, I don't remember the fall. I don't remember the hit. I don't remember any of that. 
I just, I remember them throwing me in the back of the police car. See, I don't remember the middle. The middle could have been very bad. You know, the middle is usually when the bad things happen. You know, I don't know what I was doing to them or with them. But I remember them throwing me in the back of the car, and I went, Man, these cuffs are tight. Can you loosen them? (laughs) Uh, He didn't care for that question and slammed the door. So off to jail I went. Uh, I went to court. I stood in front of the judge. Mind you, the judge turns out to be my juvenile lawyer. That's what I thought. Oh, crap, she's going to remember me. Uh, and today, I don't know if she did remember me or didn't remember me. Uh, but she sat there, and uh, the prosecuting attorney said, he's a flight risk. And I went, flight risk? Are you crazy? And she said, Mr. Manley, please, calm down. You'll get your turn to speak. And uh, he said, he is definitely a flight risk. And once again, I start screaming. I was still under the influence, and I don't know why they don't test you before they let you go, you know. Uh, but uh, here's an amazing thing. My wife was not going to bail me out this time. I was going to sit. The judge looked at me and said, I'm letting you out on your own recognizance." Wow. You know, of course, the prosecuting attorney went sort of nuts, <laughs> you know, and uh, I walked out of there. I walked from the police station to my vehicle and drove home. And as I'm driving home, the thought is I could get a DUI. I was still drunk. Uh, so I went home, went to bed, my cozy little bed. My wife had went to work that day and got out. And here's her husband in bed sleeping while she's working. And, you know, I've done my terror. And she begins to let me have it, which she very well should have. This is a Monday. I decided I would check into the treatment thing again. I went back, checked in, went to a meeting on Wednesday night, walked in. I hadn't been there for at least three years to that meeting. I walked in, and a guy by the name of Mike F. was the first person I ran into, and he said, Tony, how are you doing? I hadn't even been there, and he remembered me. So uh, during that meeting, I broke down, cried. You know, I, I just couldn't believe what, how big of a heel I was. Uh, my sobriety date is December 1st of 97. December 1st, in 25 days, 24, it's Christmas. Christmas morning, I was a huge heel. Huge. All the gifts, things seemed happy, kids were happy. What I had just done, you know, a couple weeks earlier, and they were showing me all this love. It was crazy. I, I felt sick. <clears throat> so I got into treatment. Things went well, uh, real well. Got a good sponsor. Mike, Mike, uh, worked through the steps with me. Got into, uh, uh, got through the 12th step. We did the 5th step, and he he had a big list of things I was supposed to do, and I did them to the letter. And then we went through them. I told him all the answers. And then when we got done, he said, uh, how do you feel? I said, good, but when are we going to get to the real bad stuff? <laughs> and he went, we should have covered that, you know. And I said, well, your questions weren't right on. 
So he said, okay. So we talked this over and he, we discussed it. Uh, so two weeks later, I did it again. Uh, I wasn't completely honest with him. I did hang on. Uh, had to. Um, I had to. There was just no way I could. Uh, so this was, uh, I, get, I get through my, that's two years, you know. Uh, I asked him to be my sponsor. I, I got to tell this story. I asked him to be my sponsor. I was a year sober. I asked him to be my sponsor. And he says, the same night he says, hey, we're going on a retreat. You want to go with us? And I said, I don't know. You know, he tells me it's Yoke Fellow. And I was like, wow. You know, so I go home and tell my wife. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but uh, my wife says, what is this guy, gay or something? <laughs> Ask him to be your sponsor and he whisked you away? <laughs> and I was like, no, he's not. You know, yeah, it was funny. Uh, of course, I told him. But we, uh, uh, we went through the steps. And when we got through the 12th step, I remember coming back the next week and asking him, where is the spiritual experience? I, I wanted to know. And he says, it's not a lightning bolt. It will come. And he was right. It, and it did come. It was the slow, piecemeal type. And, uh, you know, I, I have that today. Uh, my sponsor and me, we stayed together. Uh, he quit coming to meetings. Got into a business and it took more of his time. So he quit coming to meetings. And I needed a sponsor in the program. You know, in and uh, so I started looking, and this great guy started coming to the Goshen meetings. He was from Elkhart. His name's Leo H. And he was, man, he had what I wanted. He really did. Uh, and I am a procrastinator, so it was a good year. <laughs> and uh, when, he, when he first started, a good year. And then I finally, I, I couldn't bring myself to ask him because I still had this fear of rejection, you know, that he would say no. We went on a retreat, or I went on the retreat with the guys at Yoke Fellow, and wouldn't you know, Leo shows up. First time he'd ever been there. It's like, man, okay, God, I got this one, yeah. So, uh, my bags are packed. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. My bags are packed, and we're leaving. And I stop by his room and say, Leo, would you be my sponsor? See, this is a good cutoff for me. I couldn't ask him at the beginning, because I'd have to spend three days with him. You know, so I ask him at the end... <laughs> So if he says, no, I don't have to see him. And he said, yes. All right. That was in uh, 2002. And uh, he's done me really good. Uh, You know, we've been through a lot together. And I needed him. I needed him. Um, You know, I am an alcoholic. I have an alcoholic, I don't know, temper, you know, whatever. Uh, We have worked together uh, quite a few years. And... And I, and I say that because a lot of my problems have been in the last couple of years. You know, my problems keep coming. Gosh, I'm sober. Why do these problems keep happening to me? Um, my daughter was becoming her own person. Uh, she was doing things that I did at her age. Uh, so uh, I set the rules. You know, if you don't want to live by my rules, you need to uh, get out. That didn't go over well with my wife, uh, but she chose out, and uh, you know. But before this, me and Leo were at his house talking about this, and he said a bold thing. He said, uh, "You need to accept this." I said, "The hell if I do," 
And he said, nope, you have to accept what your daughter's actions, that's her actions. And we, we begin arguing, you know. Uh, and I really thought his wife would burst into the room because we're screaming at each other. And uh, no, you know, she didn't come up and we screamed at each other. And I ended up leaving, good terms, you know. And uh, the next week I came back and he said, I didn't expect you to come back. I said, why? And he said, you were mad. And I said, I'm in this for the long haul. And I am. Uh, he, he told me what I needed to hear. And, and here's the fact. He told me what I needed to know. I needed to accept it. When I got home, I looked like a saint when I got home. It was supper time. Uh, we're, we're eating. My daughter had some new issue. She was. This may have been before she left. But she had some new issue and she wanted to bring it to me. And I said, I can't discuss this today. We need to wait till tomorrow. And my wife later said, well, you handled that great. <laughs> I just had it out with my sponsor. It was like, you know, I wasn't going to do it again. Uh, and uh, but I look like a saint. Um, you know, I guess my sponsor was telling me I keep taking on my kids' issues, and I don't need to do that. And that's good. He says you got your own problems. Just stick with that. Um, <laughs> um, you know, my daughter was doing her thing. Uh she ended up getting pregnant. Uh, I struggled with that. Uh, my 18-year-old beautiful daughter, still in high school with a 28-year-old man who was married and had three kids. I struggled. <laughs> I struggled big time. You know, told my wife I just wanted to beat this guy. Oh, no, no, no. Told my pastor I wanted to beat this guy. Oh, no, we don't do that. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe I should talk to my sponsor about this, you know. And uh, so we, we talked it out. And you know what he told me? He said, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. <laughs> Have you really thought this out? And I said, yeah. He's, I said, you know, I'm, I would probably, maybe at the most, get five years for this battery. <laughs> and he said, yeah. He said, so that's as far as you went with it. And I had, that was it, five years. I can do five years. I, I don't know if I could or not. But he says, hmm, all right, so who's going to protect your family while you're gone for these five years? Oh. How are you going to explain this to your grandson that you did this to his father if they have a relationship? Gosh, why does he have to bring that stuff up? <laughs> I had thought it through all right, yeah. Uh, it brought a new light to it. Uh my daughter came back home. She was pregnant. Uh, you know, this was a huge lesson for me. I don't know good from bad. I thought my daughter getting pregnant was the worst thing. We have a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson who is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, he throws a tantrum once in a while, but, uh, <clears throat> but uh, he's awesome. He is awesome and lives with us. Can't get any better than that. Uh, so anyhow, I have my issues. With uh, I, I would end up calling this my grandson's father my arch enemy for quite a long time my arch enemy you know because I got to have one and uh, but I want to share how it ended how he ended being my arch enemy my daughter came to me and said <clears throat> that he thought he had a drinking problem while they were drinking together he said he didn't like being the way he was and 
she said, you know, you need to talk to my dad. He can help you. You know, when the hand of a, you know, when people reach for it, who's supposed to be there? That really sucks. <laughs> I got to find a new arch enemy. <laughs> uh, so I can't hold that grudge, you know. He's a sick person. Uh, you know, someday he'll need help, and hopefully I'll see him at the tables in Goshen. Uh, but anyhow, my sponsor would uh, get in a car accident uh, in the middle of all this. And uh, he was in a coma for three weeks. I gotta find a new sponsor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is all about me. Uh, I'm looking around, going, I don't, I just can't find anybody. No offense to anybody. I just, <laughs> Leo is a hard hitter, and uh, I needed that. So me and my wife went to visit Leo. He came out of his coma. We went to visit Leo, and. Uh, we walked in, and he said, how you doing? And I said, good, good. And I said, no, I'm not. I'll be honest, I'm not good. I got this on my plate. And he goes, do you want your wife to leave? I said, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Before this date, my wife said, how can you spend two hours over at Leo's house just talking? How can you do that? All, every week, you know, she didn't understand it. Uh, you know, I'm sponsoring guys now. They're coming over. But she didn't understand how I could be over there for two hours talking to Leo. Well, if anybody has ever talked to Leo, knows how I could spend two hours over there. <laughs> so uh, he said, go ahead, tell me your problem. And it was the same arch enemy guy. And I was struggling with an issue. And uh, he said, oh, in the middle of my big spiel, he said, stop, stop. I understand now. You know, I see your whole dilemma. You know, you're a saint, and he isn't. You know, I can see it. You know, he's nothing like you are. He, he, you know, he's, he's good for nothing, and, you know, you're just this guy who stand up, you know, yeah, I understand what your problem is now. And he ripped me a new one in front of my wife. <laughs> and, of course, I'm screaming, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Did I tell you he'd just come out of a coma? <laughs> uh, but, you know. We worked that out. We, I left that room a little humble. We walked out, and my wife said, it's okay that you go talk to him for two hours. <laughs> she said, I've never heard anybody talk to you that way before. He doesn't care if I'm happy. He wants to keep me sober so I can feel joy. That's what a sponsor is for. Him and my wife talked me into going to see my father. I had seen him twice before. So me and my son went on a road trip. It's been three, four years now already. Uh, to see my dad and talk things out. My sponsor said I needed to do it. My wife said you definitely need to do it. So I went. Uh, 38 years old, I guess I was. 38-year-old kid standing there with his dad. And because I procrastinate so very well, we were on our way out the door. <laughs> we stayed there a good four or five days. <laughs> and I threw the question out. Why did you leave me? And he had a good, good answer. Uh, and it wasn't anything about me. He said, 
I looked at your stepdad, I looked at your sisters and said, there's a nice little family there. I need to get out of the picture. That helped me. Something just got taken out. Now, I'm telling you, the steps helped me get to that point to be able to pose a question that I never wanted to hear the answer to. The fear was being unwanted. So it, it was a great healing tool. And I think my wife and my sponsor for telling me I need to go. And I think my son for going. <laughs> you put a 16-year-old kid with ADD in his vehicle with his dad, and it's nonstop. 13 hours. Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you see this? The experience with my father was not the greatest. Our relationship hasn't changed one bit. I write once or twice a year. He never writes. He never calls. Uh, I'm healed. The great thing was me and my son took a road trip together and had a good time. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. Today, uh, I sponsor guys, sometimes too many guys at once, but God puts that in perspective. I don't say no, and you start tallying them up. I get a little bit of anxiety once in a while when I tally them up. Oh, I'm supposed to be sponsoring this guy, but he's not calling this guy, this guy, you know. And, you know, somebody said, my wife, I, I think, asked, and I was telling her, you know, four guys, and she goes, well, what about Brian? Where's he fitting here? And I went, what? Brian? Oh, my gosh. You know? Uh, it's a, you know, they don't uh, call. They don't do these things. You know, uh, they've got to have a good sponsor. You know, I'm not here to heal them. I'm here to help them. Uh, you know, if they don't want that, I think the literature tells us to move on. You know, there's people that want it. Stick with the wanders. And uh, I try that. I want to close. Because uh, this is a spiritual program. And this is what the book tells us to do. And that's what it's about. And I'll finish with this. Lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live. And it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how were we to find this power? Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main objective is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problems. That means we, we have written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we are going to talk about God. That's what we're here to do. We're, we're here to help people find a spiritual power that will help them solve their problems. And... Uh, Boy, it's, it's crazy at times, but it sure keeps me sober. You know, my wife cooks the meal and says, Is anybody coming over tonight? <laughs> well, it's about five to six and nobody's called. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. Uh, I enjoy this program. Uh, and, and I hope to be here a long, long time. Not only for me, uh, but for my family. And... What I'm asking of you is, uh, you know, my children, uh, my grandchildren, 
I know we'll need this program. I took my sister and my daughter to their first meeting this year. Uh, it may not have sunk in to them, but I was sober to be able to help them go to their first meeting, and that's what I'm here to do. Um, you know, I want you people here and to know this stuff to be able to help them and be their sponsor. And that's what I'm asking of you today. Thank you. Thank you.